Hi, my name is Melissa Urban, and you're listening to Do The Thing, a podcast where we explore what's been missing every time you've tried to make a change and make it stick. Today, my guest is Chris Gillibo, New York Times bestselling author, lifetime entrepreneur, and fellow Pod Squad member. Chris is the host of Side Hustle School, another member of Gretchen Rubin's Onward Project podcast family. In his new book, 100 Side Hustles, Unexpected Ideas for Making Extra Money Without Quitting Your Day Job, Chris shares stories of regular people with jobs, responsibilities, and busy lives who start money-making projects in their limited time. In today's podcast, we'll discuss why everyone needs a side hustle, how to spot the right money-making opportunity for you, key factors in making your side hustle fulfilling and profitable, and common factors he's seen across the most successful and sustainable ventures. Chris Gillibo is the New York Times bestselling author of The $100 Startup, Side Hustle, and other books. During a lifetime of self-employment that included a four-year commitment as a volunteer executive in West Africa, he visited every country in the world, 193 in total, before his 35th birthday. His daily podcast, Side Hustle School, is downloaded more than 2 million times a month. He's also the founder of the World Domination Summit, an event for cultural creatives that attracts thousands of attendees to Portland, Oregon, every summer. All right, Chris, welcome to Do The Thing. I'm so excited to talk to you today all about the side hustle. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much, Melissa. So the first question I ask all my guests is, what's your thing? Well, my thing, broadly speaking, is I help people live unconventional lives. Um, and that can mean a lot of different stuff. Uh, for the past three years in particular, I've been focused on this project called Side Hustle School, uh, which is essentially all about financial empowerment, um, helping people to create an additional source of income, uh, even if they love their job and have no desire to ever be a full-time entrepreneur. I love it. Did you know that Whole30 started off as a side hustle? I ran it uh, side by side with my full-time nine to five. Mm -hmm. I worked for an insurance company doing uh, operations management and business mm -hmm. analysis. And I ran it for probably three years side by side mm -hmm. until I finally took the plunge to take it full-time. So you mentioned that everyone needs a side hustle. Mm -hmm. Why is this something we all should be thinking about? Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. This is kind of the obvious one. This is what people often you know, think of. They're like, well, in this day and age, you know, you just can't depend on a corporation. Uh, you can't depend on really any employer. You know, like you need to create your own security. Um, we all have kind of seen that, that there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. There's a lot of anxiety and so on. And so I actually think that's completely true. Like, I think we have to be able to, to look out for ourselves. Nobody's going to care about our career and our well-being as much as we are. Uh, however, I think it's also true that, you know, these days there's just so many opportunities and so many possibilities. There's so many things that you can do uh, that there's never been a better time to do it. And what I've seen over and over, like throughout this whole process of, of doing the podcast, which I've done for more than 800 days in a row now, what I hear from people is that like the first time they do this, it just feels so good. It feels so empowering to, to have like a different source of income coming in apart from your paycheck. Even if it's a relatively small amount of money, it feels different. It often, in some cases, leads to something like Whole30 or something, you know, really big and huge. But even when it doesn't, it still feels really good to be able to say, like, I've got something that I made for myself. To your first point, I was just listening to NPR and I heard a statistic. 60% of Americans couldn't afford mm -hmm. being hit with a bill of $1,000 unexpectedly. Yeah, I read that, that too. that was it's crazy. really super staggering, um, you know, that that kind of unexpected expense, whether it's a medical expense or a kid expense or who knows what 
could throw you completely off your game. So mm-hmm. I understand that's one reason why a side hustle could be effective. You also talk about how there's more opportunity now than ever. So you wrote the um, $100 startup in 2012. Mm-hmm. Side hustle was about two years ago in 2017. What's changed in the world of the side hustle in the last two years? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. You know, more than ever, there's this mainstream recognition of it. Uh, it used to be kind of a strange thing. When I started, I didn't know a lot of other people who had side hustles or were doing online business. And this goes back like like 20 years. Whereas now it's almost kind of expected, you know, like you walk into a coffee shop and like every single person there is like working on their, their project or whatever. So I think, you know, along with the mainstream acceptance, um, you know, more tools, more technological tools, uh, more platforms, just more and more ability to, to get your work out to people, whatever kind of work that is. Uh, and more and more people like around the world as well coming online and beginning to embrace e-commerce. You know, I, I, hate, to, I hate to use the word easy because I never say like, oh, this is easy, right? But I think it's never been simpler. Like the opportunities have never been as plentiful uh, as they are now. Does someone have to be on social media or have to be really familiar with e-commerce platforms to have a successful side hustle today? I mean, I'm not really good at social media. I, I kind of look to you for social media. You know, I'm kind of like, what's <laughs> Melissa doing? Like, I need to keep up with her. And e-commerce, I'm not even selling that much e-commerce stuff myself now. I, there's a lot of different things you can do. And there's so many different things. That's why like with the, you know, Side Hustle School and now the new book, like I'm, I'm trying to just shine a spotlight on so many different categories and ideas and approaches because, you know, it's not a one size fits all thing. Uh, but there is something for everyone. So, so yes, I do believe there is something for everyone. I think everybody can do it, uh, but there's lots of different ways they can do it. And that, that to me is one of the beautiful things about it. What I love so much about your book is that you've interviewed like hundreds, thousands of people about their side mm-hmm. hustles. You've taken their stories, their successes, their learnings, their experience, and you've categorized them and you've put some practical application in there so that when people are reading through the book, they'll see their own situation, their, their own scenario, their own opportunities in that. I think that approach is going to be really, really helpful for people. What I also love is that there's a huge mix of people in your book. So you have some who have taken their side hustle and turned it into a really lucrative full-time job. And you have others who are just making, you know, a little extra money on the side. Sure. Um, well, well, thank you for saying that. First of all, uh, my whole goal with this book is to to show instead of tell, basically. You know, my whole book, I'll, my whole goal is to say, like, here are all these different stories. Let their stories kind of come through. It's very much that's very much the goal is to just break down objections and, and for somebody to kind of flip through and be like, oh, you know, I could do this or oh, that thing is kind of crazy. That's kind of weird. I wouldn't want to do that myself. You know, as you said, like this range of different stories, different perspectives, and uh, some of them, you know, go on to be really big. Others, $500 a month, $1,000 a month, you know, $2,000 a month is a lot of money can make a huge difference in a lot of people's lives. So I get just as excited about some of those kinds of stories you know, like if I go on a tour and I, I always ask the audience, like, who here has a side hustle? And do you remember the first time that you got paid for something? And people's eyes always light up and they're, they're just so excited. It's just it's just so empowering, as I said. As for the goal, like, is it your goal to, you know, have a, have a company? Is it your goal to make extra money? That's an individual question. You know, some people are in the situation of maybe even being, you know, desperate or like, I need to make a change in my life, like fundamentally right now. Or other people are like, I want to be an entrepreneur, want to have a business, but I can't just like walk away from my job. I have a family, I have responsibilities, I have, you know, bills to pay and all that kind of stuff. I also think it's okay to just start. You know, it's okay to just like not have a huge business plan, not necessarily know where you're going three years from now or five years from now. I mean, who knows that? Like most people have no idea. Yeah, I've never had a business plan a day in my life for better, for yeah, better or for same, worse. Exactly. 
And I do remember the first time I got paid for my work. And mm -hmm. I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, my gosh, this is a real thing. This right. is like a thing that I'm doing. I think when you talk about side hustles, because there's such a, a big kind of entrepreneur culture, especially on social media, mm -hmm. people immediately go to this idea of like, just follow your passion uh -huh. and turn your work into something you love and it won't feel like work. But Right. It's not really practical for sure. everyone, right? Like we can't all be living our dream and making our money that way. Yeah, I mean, it's really problematic to to tell people, you know, just go follow your passion and the money will follow because there's all kinds of things that we can be personally excited about, you know, but are not necessarily bringing value to others. And, and that's fine. Like there's stuff you have to do for yourself, stuff that you believe in for art, for love, for whatever. But when it comes to making a side hustle, when it comes to turning something into some sort of money-making project, it has to be something that you enjoy. So I guess I, I do believe in that. Like, I think it's important to do work that we enjoy because there's all kinds of stuff we could do. Why not choose something we like? But at the same time, it has to have value for other people. So maybe a better question, this is a good little like listener assignment, perhaps, a better thing than saying like, hey, what are you passionate about? What, what do you like to do? Is to take more of an inventory of your skills. And like, what are you good at? You know, what, what are you good at? What do other people notice that you're good at? Because you might not always, you know, know that yourself. If you ask some of your friends, your colleagues, say, what, you know, what do you think I'm particularly gifted or talented at? If you think about all the different training you've had, whether, you know, formal education or elsewhere, uh, all the different experience you've had, or just even like the hobbies that you're kind of, you know, really knowledgeable in. I think starting with this list of, of skills um, can often be more helpful than starting with your list of passions. Most of the time when we're really good at something, we tend to like that thing anyway. So following your skills rather than your passion can be a, a better start for a lot of people. That's so smart. I love the idea of asking someone else, what do you think I'm good at? Because oh. it's often really difficult to assess our own strengths and weaknesses. It actually reminds me of another tip that I read in your new book, which said, you know, as you read through the book, look at the stories that you identify with the most and then see if you can think of another way those people can make money. And I thought that was so smart because it's always easier for us to like solve our friends' problems or mm -hmm. see our friends' opportunities than it is our own. So you turning it around in this way and saying, look at this case study. Can you see other ways that this person could succeed mm -hmm. is a really smart way of getting them to kind of apply that information in their own life. Mm. Yeah, well, thank you for saying that as well. First of all, I feel really fortunate to be able to you know tell these people's stories. I think they're all doing just really awesome stuff. And, and some of them, uh, to the point you were just making before, uh, a lot of them are solving problems. They are solving problems that they may have had themselves, uh, that they may see in someone else's life. Uh, they're, they're saying, okay, here is this, this need that people have. Maybe I can meet that need. Maybe that will then lead to something else. I mean, just kind of following things organically, um, I, think is, I think has value. People often ask me, like, did you have like this grand strategy you know, to do everything that you've done? And I'm like, not at all. I had like one thing at a time. There was one thing I was interested in and I went and did that and I got excited about something else and then I did that. And then, you know, looking back, you can see like the building blocks, but you don't always know that looking ahead and that's, that's okay. That's so true. I want to ask about some commonalities you've seen. You've mm. interviewed, I keep saying hundreds or thousands. It's like tons of people about their side hustles. You've mm. seen the ones that have done really well. You've talked to people who have failed and then maybe rebuilt. What yep. are some big picture commonalities that you see across people who have sustainable, mm -hmm. successful side hustles? Yeah, that's great. Um, first point might be curiosity. First point is like in identifying a side hustle or identifying a business idea, just being curious about something, willing to then explore that curiosity. You know, recently did a story about uh, this woman who's done like DIY flowers, you know, for a wedding, essentially. And she's saving people like lots of money, you know, all across the country. And she's also doing really well herself. Um, there's a guy who's doing weighted blankets 
and he's put together this whole campaign around it. Uh, somebody recently who did um, Instagram soap, and she's making tens of thousands of dollars a month, you know, on, in, on basically selling soap through Instagram. So curiosity, willing to sit, willingness to say, like, I wonder what that that's about. Could I do something with it? And then um, perhaps, you know, just kind of starting quickly rather than getting bogged down into a lot of planning, um, starting without a lot of money. Like I actually think starting without a, without a lot of money is a benefit, not a hindrance. Um, if you can kind of just be resourceful and bootstrap and get to that first sale as quickly as possible. And, you know, and the time to invest in your business is when your business is successful or when you, you know, really believe it really does have the potential to be more successful. Those are the first things that come to mind, like curiosity, willingness to take action, um, and then just willingness to follow, okay, what's the next step? Um, how can I do one thing every day? Because I don't have a lot of time, let's say most of, most of the listeners probably don't have a lot of time. But can I do one thing every day, maybe 15 or 20 minutes a day to get me a little bit closer to the goal that I believe in? You know, if you can do that, then I think you'll be successful. I like that. I did that kind of 10 to 15 minutes a day when mm. I was starting off with Whole30 stuff at, you know, nights and weekends. Is there a role in this kind of getting your side hustle off the ground in giving stuff away for free? I gave a lot of stuff sure, away for free in the beginning with Whole30 so that mm. I could build my material and get feedback and build community and, and trust and loyalty. Where do you draw that line between giving stuff away for free because mm -hmm. you really want to like get your name out there and maybe you'll work for trade or maybe you'll do this yeah. like Instagram post for free? How do you know when it's time to start charging what you're worth? Yeah, I think that's just going to depend on the kind of business or industry. For an e-commerce business, it could be one thing. For a more content-driven personality, you know, brand could be something different. I also kind of fell on that side of let me see how much I can give away. Um, my business model now is pretty much 80 to 90% of my work is either free or, you know, accessible at a very low cost, you know, through a book and you can go to the library and read the book, you know, that's fine. Um, and so probably only 10 to 20% is, is for sale. But because of how things work, you know, with the internet, the scalable model, etc., um, I'm able to have a sustainable business with that. So I tend to lean, you know, more on that side. But philosophically speaking, I think, you know, giving stuff away for free, serving your audience, doing whatever you can to think, how can I help this person? That's only going to help you as well in the long term. It's only going to just build value and trust and empathy, you know, between you and that person. I agree wholeheartedly. And even if you are selling a product and you can't afford to give your, you know, weighted blankets away for right. free, you can still give your time and your energy exactly. and do some research into why this, this is helpful. You can do a case study with, you know, a mom who uses it to help with her son. There are other things that you can do to, like you said, build connection and offer service and, and build that loyalty so mm -hmm. that when you do have something to sell, people are more willing to buy it. Yeah. I think it's always good to ask yourself, you know, if you're trying to grow a business, like, and you're not sure what to do, because there's so many different things we could do. And people are often overwhelmed. If you're looking at your 20 minutes a day, whatever time you have to spend on your business, and you're not sure what to do. I think if you do two things, number one, you do something that helps you make more money, whether that's developing a product or thinking about a promotion or sending an email about a sale. And the second thing, you do something that helps people. These two things can be connected, of course. But the second thing is like, is there someone that is looking for something that I can provide? Is there this need that I've noticed that I can address, not necessarily in a way that's going to, to have me get paid more, but in a way that's going to be helpful? I feel like those are two good, good directions to go in as you try to grow your business. That's so great. You're preempting a question I had, which is oh, if you've sorry. got a side hustle <laughs> and it's, no, it's, it's brilliant. If you've got a, a side hustle and you don't, it's not taking you where you want to go, uh -huh. what should you do? And you just sure. give people two really brilliant action items. So I love it. I love oh, it. Thanks. What might be some common mistakes that you see with people who are trying to launch or, or uh, maintain their side hustle? Yeah, sure. Well, I think this actually kind of, kind of relates to that question as well, because 
to the part about, you know, when something isn't going super well, uh, I'm a big fan of actually just stopping things too, especially when it comes to a side hustle. Like if you're trying something for a while and it's not getting traction, then, you know, maybe the answer is to do some, you know, analysis and, you know, or to work harder or to try a different direction or something. But it also could be like, this is not the project for me. So maybe if you actually let go of that project and try something different, you'll be more successful. And if I think about my own life as well, like, you know, I, I tend to do, to do better when I let go of things that aren't working and focus on what, what is working. You know, it really depends on your own situation. If you're really motivated for something and you believe this is the, the answer, then of course, you know, see what you can do to course correct. Um, but if you're like, you know what, I thought this was like, the thing for a while, but now I realize that it's not, or maybe it was for a time and now I have changed in some way, then it's perfectly valid to say, what else could I do? You know, and I, you, might, you might actually find yourself feeling re-energized um, through that thought process. That's really good. You've got to get your ego out of it too, though, don't you? Like, <laughs> yeah, of course. Tough. If you right. invest so much time and energy into something and you tell everybody mm -hmm. you're doing it and you think it's going to be really successful and then it's not like you have to be able to check yourself enough to say, sure. okay, we're going to, we're just going to like pivot in a different direction. And it's not yep. a failure. It's an excellent learning experience. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like you said, ego is, is, is a tough thing, but the alternative is, you know, you're just going to keep kind of walking on that treadmill and not really getting anywhere. Uh, ultimately, you're going to be in a worse position than you are in saying, you know what, I'm going to try something different, which I think is actually very brave and courageous, you know, for to let go of something and to try something new. It is. It is very brave and courageous. And that just might be the thing that leads you to, you know, the, the perfect side hustle for you. Yeah. You've mentioned a few times that your philosophy is about encouraging people to do side hustles around their jobs, around their responsibilities, around their kids within their limited time, because we all have mm -hmm. these responsibilities. Yes. How do you prevent your side hustle from becoming a major burnout? Yeah, this is something that that I hear about all the time. We, we do have stories of people that are that are like, actually, it got to where it was taking all my time. And it got to where it was this conflict, you know, between either my family life or my other personal life or with my day job or whatever. That's why I think it's important to have goals and to ask yourself, you know, and to repeatedly ask yourself, because the answer could change. Why am I doing this? And usually the answer in one way or another connects to freedom whether it's just the freedom of, of being able to pay off my debt, like I feel like I have this debt that's a burden in my life, I want to deal with it somehow, or just to have some extra money, which is also totally fine and valid, or I'm actually trying to create like an off-ramp from my job to be able to go into this full-time. I think once you, once you understand what your goals are, then you know how to handle these situations of potential burnout, or am I doing too much? You know, I've, I've had a number of stories of people who like are searching for that off-ramp. And so they do understand that there is a season in which if things start to take off with their side hustle, it is going to be really busy. And they might have to make up, you know, a bit of a compromise. And they know that they're not doing that, you know, forever, hopefully. Uh, but then also, if people are like in a different situation where they like their job, they're just trying to do something different, it's a creative outlet, or they're trying to build, you know, an additional income source without necessarily going full time, then it's also a perfectly valid answer to say, I'm going to scale back and say, I'm only going to work with, you know, a certain number of people, I'm only going to have this product for sale for so long. I mean, whatever you have to do to kind of constrict yourself and say, this is my side hustle space. And, you know, I need to maintain the, the other space in my life as well. Right. I think you, if you connect your short term actions to your long term desired results, then that kind of makes it all worth it. When I was working my insurance job, I was balancing this nine to five mm -hmm. with pursuing this whole 30 and trying to make the program grow. And at some point, I realized I was doing both poorly. Right. And I had to make mm -hmm. a decision. Are there other triggers to help people know when the time might be right to like jump in with both feet? I think there are. I mean, so the answer is it depends. But but I think there actually are some really specific things you can look at to make that decision. And what you just said was one of them. I think another one is 
ask yourself just financially with your situation, what is the minimum amount that you need each month to be okay, essentially. So not just to pay the minimum amount of bills, but to be okay. Uh, that may be less than your current full-time salary. Now, ultimately, of course, you know, you want to do better than that. Um, but if you're trying to make a transition and like, can I actually go all in with this now? I think that's, that's the, the number that you start with. And then also you ask yourself, if I invest more time in my side hustle, do I think I'm going to make more money, right? Are there things that I identify that I know if I, if I only had five more hours a week, to work on it, then I'd be able to make X more money. If you can kind of see a, a direct connection there, then it can give you a lot more confidence to say, okay, maybe now's the time to do it. I like those tips. For people who have a service-based side hustle, it can be a little bit hard to figure out how much to charge for your services and mm -hmm. how much you're worth. You know, it's easy if you're making widgets, you look at how much yep. it costs and what you're, you want your margin to be. Service is harder and it, it's very difficult to charge what you think your services are worth. And people generally undervalue what your services mm -hmm. are worth, especially if you've been giving them away for free for a really long time. Any tips for helping people with a service-based side hustle know what their worth is and charge what they're worth? So I think it's also helpful there to, to look at what is your floor. So it's kind of like the, the previous you know, answer about your budget. You know, obviously you want to make more than your full-time job. You want to do well. That's great. But, but maybe just identify like, like what is the minimum, you know, hourly rate or daily rate or whatever it is, you know, that I feel comfortable with. And then you kind of say, okay, I'm not going to do anything less than that. And then, you know, if I can go more than that, that's great. Um, you can look and see what competitors are doing. You can maybe create a new service that doesn't actually have an easy comp, which can, can work to your benefit, I think, because then you're, you're the kind of anchor um, for what that price can be. Do you think that if you have a service-based side hustle, this is maybe getting into the weeds, mm -hmm. do you also need a source of passive income? Because if you're a service-based mm -hmm. side hustle, you mm -hmm. are your own rate-limiting factor in sure. that like, you can only give so many haircuts a day or knit so many beanies. Right. Um, I think it certainly helps. A lot of the side hustles in the book, some of them don't actually make a lot of sense using a traditional business plan analysis. And so I like to be mindful of that because you know there, there's a guy in, in that book that, who developed an app and basically signed up for an affiliate program. There's a whole long story, but the short version of it is he signed up for this program. He started getting these affiliate commissions of tens of thousands of dollars a month. And he was in the army before. He didn't have like a, a great income or anything. And over the course of the year, he actually received hundreds of thousands of dollars in commission. Like it completely changed his life. Uh, passive income is good. And if you have a service-based business, I think there's still ways you can achieve that. I mean, can you get people on retainer? Can you have clients make a commitment for a certain number of months? Uh, because then essentially you, you have passive income or at least you have recurring income, let's say. I mean, you still have to do the work, I understand, but it's recurring. You can at least count on it. There could be some kind of product they create in addition that could lend itself to that passive income kind of framework. Or they could, you know, partner with other people who do something like that. I was thinking of the story in the book of the woman who created like a course to teach people how to bake bread. Uh-huh, right. So um, instead yeah. of like baking bread for people mm -hmm. or like doing one-on-one -on -one yes. classes, she created this like virtual experience to teach people how to bake bread, which I thought was so smart and interesting. Yeah, and she's doing really well. I mean, her course was about sourdough bread in particular, like really niche down, you know, and then she actually made like four or five more courses on Udemy, um, all about sourdough bread, like advanced sourdough, intermediate sourdough, like it just goes on and on. And um, <laughs> I, I like that story because it's like, you always think of like, technology stuff and like somebody's teaching about programming or about making apps again or, or whatever, but a very, very simple skill, baking bread. And also, you know, there's lots of ways to learn how to bake bread. I don't have to go on Udemy and pay for her course to learn to bake bread, but like so many people are doing so because they're attracted to her personality and her message and her brand. So I think that's, that's another lesson to take from that whole thing. 
You mentioned Udemy. Everyone knows about Instagram. Everyone knows about Facebook. Are there any other really interesting platforms that people are using for their side hustles? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not always good at that because I, I like to encourage people sometimes to to kind of do their own thing and not be reliant on any particular platform. But Udemy is good for for online courses. Um, there's a few others like Skillshare, Creative Live, uh, LinkedIn Learning, which is which used to be lynda.com. Um, a few things like that. But but in general, when I think platforms, I think of those things as kind of starter platforms. Like Etsy, of course, is a is a is a wonderful marketplace. A lot of the most successful people that I profiled who have gotten started on Etsy tend to eventually like go off into their to their own website. Uh, but it's a great way to like jump in because you don't have to make a website. You can start selling something right away. They have a huge marketplace of people. Uh, but then maybe your goal is to to actually have your own website in the long run so that people can buy from you directly. I would love for you to share a story of one of your more inspiring side hustles, but also one that speaks to where you think side hustles are going mm. in the next few years. Wow. Okay. I got to get my crystal ball out of the desk here. <laughs> okay. So here's one that's really good. And this is in the book. Um, it, this is a guy who makes teddy bears. And they're, they're teddy bears that are actually licensed uh, with the U.S. military. So he's got like these Marine bears and Army bears and Navy bears. And they're all about helping kids sleep at night. And, and he, he, got it started, he got started with it by creating one called Sergeant Sleep Tight. And his daughter was having a hard time sleeping. And like he made this bear and put a little uniform on the bear and and said, oh, the, you know, the bear's going to like, you know, watch out over you at night. Um, and it worked really well for her. And so he started figuring out how do I actually do this? Like he wasn't, you know, in the teddy bear business. He had never made any kind of product like that before. Um, but he learned about manufacturing. He learned about licensing. He learned about distribution, like all these kind of skills uh, just, just as he went along. And he didn't have a lot of money either when he got started. But now that business is doing really well. They were in Target for a while. They're in some other stores. I guess I just see over and over people doing something like that in the sense where they don't know what they don't know how to accomplish something, but they find a way to, to kind of decipher it or decode it or to go back and say, you know, how hard can it be to have a product based business or to start my business as a service provider, a coach or whatever it is, Um, there's got to be a pathway forward. I, I would say the main thing that I see, like looking ahead is just more and more people becoming comfortable with that and understanding that it's, it's something that they have to do in some ways, like we said, it's important to have more than one source of income but also that this is a, a really good thing to do. It's a fundamentally positive, affirming, empowering thing to do for yourself. Um, and I hope that more and more people will be able to do that. That was the perfect story to close on. Also, my heart is exploding at the idea uh-huh. of these military bears keeping kiddos um, comfortable and safe and, and secure mm-hmm. at night. That's really, really sweet. At the end of every episode, I ask, what's one piece of advice you can give to someone who is ready to do the side hustle thing? Mm-hmm. Great. Um, I think we've talked about a couple of things already. We've talked about making a list of your skills, like make a list of all the things that you're good at. Um, the next thing I would say is ask yourself if I had to make three to five hundred dollars, you know, next week through it through a source that I haven't used before. How would I do it? And my tip for that is like if you're really not sure at all, um, think about buying and selling because reselling is probably one of the most simple, easiest things you can do for a side hustle. It's how I got started twenty years ago. I had no idea about any of, the, any of this stuff. And I just learned to buy some things and sell it on eBay. And that kind of changed my life. Um, and I'm, like, I've been doing all these different projects since then, all because I learned I could buy something for one price and then sell it for something else. And so ask yourself, if I had to make three to $500 in the next week, you know, doing something that I haven't done before, what would it be? Wonderful. This has been so chock full of practical application, which I absolutely love. 
tell people about your new book, which comes out today, by the Yay, way. Congratulations. Awesome. Yay, thank Happy you. Happy book, book birthday. <laughs> but tell people about the book and where they can find you and learn more about your work. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I have really, really enjoyed this conversation. I've respected your work for a long time. So I'm so thrilled to be um, to be in the mix here. And the new book is called 100 Side Hustles, uh, Unexpected Ways to Make Additional Money uh, Without Quitting Your Job. Um, and so that book should be at any bookstore or amazon.com or wherever you like to shop for books. Uh, my name is Chris Gillibo. You can listen to the podcast Side Hustle School, which is on the Onward Project, just like Do the Thing. And I'm also doing a 14-city tour. So you can learn about that at sidehustleschool.com slash tour. You're going to come to Salt Lake so we can do something together, right? Absolutely, 100%. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, thank you so much for talking to me today here at Do The Thing. I really loved our conversation. Thank you, Melissa. It's a huge honor. Thanks for joining me today on Do The Thing. You can continue the conversation with me at Melissa underscore Hartwig on Instagram and visit Whole30.com slash podcast for today's show notes and bonus content. If you have a question for Dear Melissa or a topic idea for the show, leave me a voicemail at 321-209-1480. Do the Thing is part of the Onward Project, a family of podcasts brought together by Gretchen Rubin, all about how to make your life better. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Happier in Hollywood. Finally, before you leave, please subscribe, leave a review, and invite your friends to do the thing. See you next week. From the Onward Project.